want us to listen for just a moment. So let, let's be as still and quiet as we can. Let's, let's just listen. Do you hear? Do you hear the sounds of grace? The sounds of redemption? The holidays are upon us, and during this Advent season, we are going to listen carefully. Carefully for the sounds of Christmas. And next Sunday, as Advent begins, the sounds of hope. And how appropriate it is that as we begin to tune our ear to the manger, that we have the opportunity this week to offer praise and thanksgiving. For you see, it seems to me that a heart of gratitude and of thanksgiving is that which positions our ears and our hearts to better hear and listen to the sounds of Christmas. So today we focus again in the Psalms. And we don't have to go too far in the book of Psalms until we understand that, that the Psalms are, are those hymns and those songs of the people of God, some suggesting that go back as, as far as 3,000 years that have been passed down, that have invited us into fellowship and into worship and into praise and into thanksgiving. So today I want us to focus on one of those psalms, on Psalm 107. So if you would turn with me to that beautiful, be beautiful psalm of thanksgiving and psalm of redemption. The psalmist begins, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. You see what, what's beginning to take place is the, the people are called to worship. It, it's a, a picture as, as much as we do. We begin our worship with hymns of praise and of thanksgiving. And the psalmist is inviting us to give thanks to the Lord. And in giving thanks to God, he immediately reminds us of who God is. Of God's character and of God's nature. And in the remembrance and the recollection of who God is, we find ourselves 
ready and eager to offer our thanksgivings unto Him. So who is this God? Who is this God that we are are called to give thanks to? Who is this God that we are invited to come and to worship? Well, first and foremost, He is a good God. What does it mean that God is good? The next line reminds us of God's love and kindness. I think in understanding God's goodness and His loving kindness, we would understand that as saying God is is a pure and a just God. God is holy. God is gracious and merciful. God is perfect. Perfect in in this sense. Perfect in the sense that God is complete. God God lacks nothing. God is eternal. Again, as we read through the Psalms, especially as we read through the Old Testament, whenever we see this idea and expressing God's loving kindness, we are reminded of God's covenant faithfulness. That God chose to love us, and oh, that we would remember that God loves us, not because we deserve to be loved. God doesn't love us because we've earned His love and His favor. It is simply the nature and the desire and the purpose of God to love and to love us. And oh, that we would be freed from the shackles that tell us that we are not good enough for God to love us. That somehow we have done things in our lives that that from this point forward or from that point forward that we are excluded from the love of God. Oh, that we would be reminded that God is good and His loving kindness is forever. God loves us, period. There is nothing that you can do to earn or to deserve that love. But we are all invited simply to receive and to live in that love. And so let us give thanks. And then notice how the psalmist goes on and he says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God is our Redeemer, certainly. But what does it mean to to be redeemed? The word redeemed means that we are purchased from our our slavery. We are purchased from our bondage. We are are purposed from those things. We are saved from those things that would hold us back, that would tie us down, that would enslave us for life. To be redeemed means to be freed and unshackled from whatever it is that would try to enslave us. Notice in these first verses of Psalm 107 that that worship and testimony, worship and witness go together. Notice that the psalmist calls us to, to offer our thanksgiving, to sing before the Lord, to praise Him because He is good. And then he proclaims, let the redeemed, 
Let the saved, let those who've experienced this love of God, let them say so. And so we sing beautiful songs like our youth choir did today that that remind us, that allow us to, to confess our unworthiness before God and to share that in song and testimony and to take us through that story and that narrative so that as we finish, we can proclaim that God has redeemed us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How are you sharing God's redemption in your life? Are you giving testimony? Are you giving thanks that you are one of the redeemed? You see, worship is the witness and testimony of those who've been redeemed. When worship is lacking, when true genuine worship is lacking in our hearts and in our congregations, there is simply a lack of thanksgiving and understanding of what it means to be redeemed. But in those places where worship is rich and where worship is deep and meaningful, where worship is alive with the Spirit of God, there is an understanding of God's love and God's mercy and God's redemption in our lives and the people of God that gather to worship express and share that good news as testimony of God's grace and loving kindness. Have you been redeemed? If so then say so in your life, in your words, and in your song. The psalmist is inviting the redeemed to speak out. But then he answers this question. He he, he answers the question, well, well, who are the redeemed? Who are the redeemed that God has has set free? Who are the redeemed that then are to, to say so and to proclaim? And he takes us in Psalm 107 through a, A beautiful testimony and story of the redeemed. Look at verse 4. The redeemed are the wanderers. The redeemed are the lost. The redeemed are, are the homeless that have found God. Verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness, homeless, hungry, thirsty, hopeless. Have you been in that place in life before? Maybe even now you are, where where you're just kind of wandering, where you really don't have a sense of of God's direction and purpose in your life. You just feel like you're in, in the middle of nowhere. There's no home. There's no direction. You're wandering. There's another kind of person that is redeemed in this psalm. Look at verses 10 and 11. The redeemed are the captive. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners in misery and chains. Because they had rebelled against the words of God. Do do you know the captive? Have you ever been captive in your life? 
prisoner, prisoner to sin, enslaved. Maybe that that imprisonment hasn't been of your own doing, so to speak. In other words, it's been an imprisonment that you have suffered at the hands of others. You, you have suffered at those that, that may have authority over you or, or that may have assumed an authority over you. And they have abused and they have misused you and, and they have oppressed and they have put you in chains. You see, our, our, our addictions can do this. Our bad habits can do this. A wrong decision can put us in captivity for a long time. The psalmist understands that those who are captive are those who need redemption. In verse 17, there's a third kind of person who needs redemption and, and who has experienced redemption in this psalm, the afflicted. In verse 17, look how the psalmist begins this description of the afflicted. Fools, fools, because of their rebellious way, they were afflicted. And they drew near to the gates of death. You've seen folks afflicted physically before. Where, where disease, where illness just takes over their body. And, and it afflicts them. And it, it can even carry them and, and take them to a point of death. The psalmist is, is speaking out for the afflicted. It seems to me that there are at least two ways in which we become afflicted. Through our own moral failure and even through the moral failure of others, we are, are, are experience the consequences of that. We grow sick, we grow ill, and that can be physically that can also be emotionally and spiritually and relationally, where we are afflicted in every way. Paul, in the New Testament, this, this great and godly saint, more than once gives testimony to his affliction, this thorn in the flesh that he lives with. You see, even saintly and godly men and women know the pain of affliction. A second type of affliction seems to me to be what I would call unhealed grief. Grief that for whatever reason we just can't seem to shake. And yet a grief that destroys and, and, and bears down and, and imprisons us. Maybe we've been through a season of of, of confession and we've we've received forgiveness and we, we would know in our mind that, that God has forgiven us and, and we would know in our hearts that others have offered genuine forgiveness towards us, yet still we are afflicted because deep down there's a grief that we cannot seem to get rid of. We, we, we struggle being able to forgive our own selves. And we 
fight this affliction spiritually on a regular basis, so much so that this spiritual affliction has manifested itself physically in our lives. Can you relate? Can you relate to these who need redemption, the wanderers, the captive, the afflicted? Have you been there yourself? Maybe you have a spouse or a child or a parent that you would say, oh, this one that I love so dearly is is wandering. This one that I love so dearly is, is captive. This one that I love so dearly is afflicted. And they just they just can't get over that affliction and that pain and that hurt. Well, church, there's good news. There's good news from Scripture. There's good news from the psalmist. There's good news in Jesus Christ. Listen to the refrain that that after the psalmist describes all these different ways in which people need redemption, listen to this common refrain. The psalmist writes, They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They understood their affliction. They understood their captivity. They understood their, their homelessness in the sense of their wandering around aimlessly and purposelessly. And they cried out to God. And he delivered them out of their distresses. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. When we get to that place in our life where we cry out to God, God hears us. God hears us in our pain. He hears us in our distresses and he delivers. This word delivers is a a powerful, it's it's a beautiful picture. It is the picture of a predator about ready to devour his prey. And this picture of deliverer is a picture of one who comes alongside and just in that last moment, just as that predator is about to devour his prey, the deliverer comes along and snatches and takes away and saves and frees the one in distress. The psalmist acknowledges in those first verses that we read that we have an adversary. And this adversary is out to make us have this sense of of wandering, this sense of affliction. And yet we have one. that If we will cry out that he will deliver us from our distresses. God redeems. He is redeemer. God gives new life to the wanderer. God gives new life to the captive. God gives new life to the afflicted. C.S. Lewis explores a, a powerful concept about God. He declares God as the God of great condescension. And he describes this God as this. He said, God allows himself to be the God of our last resort. When all else fails, we can turn to him and he is still 
there. God's great condescension. Oh, church, that we would understand that God desires to be the first one we call. God desires to be that one that we worship first and foremost, that we follow after faithfully and regularly. That when those distresses of life come upon us, that God is not the last that we turn to, but that God is the first that we cry out to. But thanks be to God that even when we think we can manage it ourselves, that even when we think that we're a big boy or a big girl and we don't need any help, thanks be to Him that when we come to the end and when there is nothing left, when all of our brilliance and all of our creativity and all of our resources and all of our prosperity and we discover that that is not enough, thank God that He hears our cries when He is the last one that we can turn to. Oh, that we would learn to make Him first. But praise God for His grace that when we do turn, He is there and He responds. You see, we worship this God We worship this God because He is good. And He is God. And He is faithful. And He is Redeemer. And we are called to give testimony of this work of God in our lives. Look at the last verse in this psalm. Psalm 107 verse 43. Notice how the psalmist wraps up and ends this Psalm. He says, who is wise? Seems like he's contrasting in verse 17 where he identifies who the fool is. And so he ends up, who is wise? And he says, let him, let this wise person give heed to these things. Give heed to what things? Give heed to the truth and the reality that God is deliverer. And in this beautiful poem, the kind of the second half of the psalm, in verse 33, the psalmist says of the Lord, He changes rivers into a wilderness. In verse 35, He changes a wilderness into a pool of water. This God changes and turns our wildernesses into places where our thirst and hunger can be met. And in doing so, He gives us home and belonging and community. And on the contrast, on the contrary, those that oppose God, those who celebrate living in their, in their places of, of prosperity and bounty where the water flows and there's, there's never a concern, this same God changes those places into places of wilderness. Who is wise? The one who takes heed of these things. And who understands the loving kindness of God. So how do these things impact us today? Let me share just a couple of thoughts that I believe are on all of our hearts. 
And how do we as Christians, how do we interact in, in this world where there are captive and wanderers and afflicted? You can't watch the TV, especially you can't watch news today. You can't pick up a paper or, or a magazine without seeing the plight of refugees all over our world. Church, I believe that God continues to hear the cries of the wanderers in our world. God continues to hear the cries of the hungry and the thirsty in our world. God continues to hear the cries of those who no longer have a home. Now I can assure you from what we've, we've been told is there are certainly there are wolves in sheep's clothing. But there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are literally and spiritually and relationally are wandering thirsty and homeless and hungry with nowhere to go. And I believe our God hears their cries. And I believe that God is at work to relieve and to deliver them from their distresses. How will the church respond? Will the church be the body of Christ and be the agent of redemption for these that are wandering in our refugee in our world? If you read through the New Testament, you understand that we are refugees in this place and that God has graciously reached down to give us a home and a hope in Him. It seems to me that this same God is at work in the lives of refugees all over our world today. But what about the afflicted? A few weeks ago, Time Magazine ran an, an article, an update on the Charleston shootings. Remember, a white supremacist went into a church in a Wednesday night prayer meeting. And in cold blood horrifically gunned down, I think eight, that ultimately died. In reading through this story that Time Magazine did and, and, and talking months later about how do we forgive? Can we forgive? Their affliction is great. The families of these that were victims that were killed. How do, you, how do you make sense when you can't make sense? How do you forgive an act that is so filled with hatred and violence towards innocent people? And the article did a wonderful job of, of helping us to understand this tension and to understand the affliction that we face each and every day. Is it as simple as simply saying, I forgive you? Let's go on and live our lives? Or do we understand the, the hurt and the grief of life to understand that forgiveness must be given each and every moment of every day? And that forgiveness is a process that we declare and then we 
spend the rest of our lives trying to figure it out and live it out. Oh, that the wanderers and refugees of this world would cry out to God. Oh, that the afflicted would continue to cry out to God because He hears them in their pain and their hurt. And He will continue to redeem. He will continue to provide new homes for the wanderers. He will continue to free the prisoner and the captor from their prisons. And He will continue to heal us from our afflictions. Have you been redeemed? If so, say so. If not, why not? And why not begin that journey and that process today of crying out to God and allowing Him to begin His work of redemption in your life? For whether you are a wanderer, whether you are afflicted, whether you are imprisoned, God will hear your cries. And He will work redemption and deliverance for you. Let us pray.